0: Welcome to the Discover You Podcast with your host, James Hooper, spiritual and personal discovery author, speaker, teacher, and coach. James helps you find who you were created to be and guides you to the most fulfilling life you can experience. On this podcast, we'll guide you through discovering what energizes and motivates you, why you think the way you think, act the way you act, and react the way you react. We'll learn together how to grow through spiritual truths to become the best version of yourself possible. If you haven't yet, please subscribe so you won't miss an episode. Also, you can go to your favorite podcast platform and leave a review and rating. This will help others find us so they can begin their own growth journey.
1: Well, this week we are on our seventh and final in the list of motivational gifts, and we're going to be talking about the gift of mercy. And so, uh, as I have with all the other gifts, I'm going to go back to the the original etymology of the word, and it and it comes from a Greek word that's pronounced eleon, eleon, and it's spelt e l e w n e l e w n. Uh, the pronunciation is e l e o n. So that's how you get it. However, this word is actually a derivative from another word. It's eleos which means have compassion on. So the definition that we're going to use uh, in this study is the extraordinary ability to feel and to act upon genuine empathy for others who suffer distressing physical, mental, emotional, and social pain. Now see, there's another expert adds to the understanding by defining the gift of mercy as the ability to feel genuine empathy and compassion for individuals who suffer distressing physical, mental, or emotional problems, and to translate that compassion into cheerfully done deeds. And so the person with the gift of mercy not only can sympathize or have compassion, which a lot of us can have compassion on people, but the person with the gift of mercy is going to be the the patient person. They're going to be the person that's willing to listen. They're going to be the person that is, is spending time with someone and then they will turn in turn take that and turn that compassion into deeds done for people to help them through these difficulties. They might not have the answer to solve the issue, you know, if it's a health issue, they can't really fix them, but there's things they might do to help cheer them up. There's things that they could do to to bring some relief to the situation. So, uh, mercy is a is a, a compassionate gift it's one that that people lean on a lot and again my father's number one gifting was mercy mine is number seven on my list and both times I took the assessment it came in at number seven so that's pretty much set in stone however I still have to learn to operate in the gift of mercy because I have it in me it's there I just have to tap into it. I have to access it, and I have to intentionally try to do it. People that it's the strong in their top two or three. This is just going to naturally happen to them. They're going to be people that naturally are compassionate with people. Um, I tend to not be as patient with people. Now I I do have compassion, and as a minister, I do spend time in counseling. But where I differ from the mercy person, once I have a counseling session with someone and then I've come up with solutions. You know, they're having uh, financial needs or they're having emotional needs or they're having marital need problems or whatever the problem is. I've come up with a concrete solution, concrete answer. And here, this is what you do for this. Now go and fix it. And that's it. I, I'm not patient enough for them to come back and go back through it again. Because in my mind, I've given them the answer, I'm done. So move on. I had compassion on them the first time around. I can, I can sometimes, you know, have some compassion on a second time. But if it persists, then I'm I'm not the person to come to. So the person with the gift of mercy is one that they're the first to listen and to sympathize with somebody that's suffering. Now, they feel that sympathizing with others is actually a valuable use of their time. Uh, Some of us, not so much. And so they they don't think about the time they're spending with someone as wasted time because they know that they're listening to someone, that the person's being able to uh, verbalize what they're going through to kind of you know, as they say, get it off of their chest, that sort of thing. And so they don't have a problem spending time with those people uh, that are ha- with the people that have them. Now, this gift is concerned with the condition of the person who is suffering or in trouble, too. They, they want to make sure that the person themselves are are doing well and that they can can you know, answer some solutions. So if they're going through an emotional need, if they're going through, let's say, like a financial need, or a financial difficulty or a marriage difficulty, they want to make sure that the person themselves that they're talking to is actually, you know, doing well and and is handling things uh, in a, a correct manner. Often the people with this gift have a strong desire to relieve the pain of others. You know, if I can whatever whatever I can do to help relieve you of that pain, they're willing to do it. This is why the people with the gift of mercy are usually effective in roles that require compassion, uh, such as physical therapists, uh, social workers, or counselors. So, uh, the gift of mercy is also effective in human resources departments where employees' concerns are addressed. I've, I mentioned that as far as like the encourager, that the human resources department, it'd be good to have someone with the gift of the encourager. But you also, you know, if they can have the encourager, uh, are encouraging and mercy, then they're going to be a really good asset to your your organization because they're going to be able to have compassion on people because their their role in the chain here and the things is for our employees to be able to come to them and let them know what's going on with them personally. Human resources, and so whether they're having personal issues or they're having so they. They know what's going on so they can answer questions. If a supervisor, you know, they don't, the employee doesn't feel comfortable letting the supervisor know, it may be a problem with the supervisor. So the human resources person can't be short tempered, can't be, you know, impatient. They've got to be ones that can listen and that can uh, spend time with them and then also encourage them if they have that encourager. So it's also good to have that. Uh, now also this this gift is the, it's the ability to show compassion and mercy that enables the person with this gift to demonstrate a large amount of patience. And they, people with the gift of mercy are very, very patient. And my dad, he was just, he was just patient with people. He was just patient with people. And uh, because of that gift, so he had, he, he just loved spending time with them, talking to them, letting them, you know, express what they're, Feeling express what they're going through, and he just was very patient with them. And they're they're le- less likely to become frustrated when people repeatedly come to them, and with problems unlike those gifted in other areas. Me, I'm raising my hand right here. Um, I've as I've gotten older, I've gained more patience. I've learned to be more compassionate because I've been through some things. However. Uh, when people keep coming back with the same difficulties and I've given them what I say is the way to fix it because I'm a fixer, I'm I'm a planner, I'm an organizer, I'm a structure guy, you know, you remember that from leading and then from perspective guy, you know, a perception guy. I can, you know, I see what needs to I see what's wrong. I see the patterns and all this kind of stuff. So here, here's what you can do, here's a, you know, go conquer it. And, you know, after about the second time of them coming back, you know, they start coming back a third time and I'm losing patience really quickly. But see, people with the gift of mercy aren't that way. They will, they'll just be patient and they'll go through it until the person actually gets through the issue. They'll spend the time. Remember, I said they believe spending time being compassionate or being empathetic is actually a valuable use of their time. So we've got to understand that these people with the gift of mercy. I say these people because I'm not one of them. Um, they, they're just very patient. Now, depending on their other dominant gifts operating in their life, the gift of mercy tends to attract hurting, emotionally needy people. It's just, it's interesting that people that are merciful, they, they, they may not know a person that's going through difficulties, but that person that's going through difficulties is automatically attracted to, to the per- person with the mercy gift. Um, it's amazing how it happens. So the thing is, is the person with the gift of mercy has to, has to watch, and we'll talk about this in a minute. That, um, In fact, we need. let's just go. The gift of mercy can show mercy in, cheer, in a cheerful way, bringing joy to gloomy places. Now, listen to this. Remember to take care of yourself so that you have the emotional reserve to listen and take care of others. See, that's where a lot of people with the gift of mercy, they will overextend. They will bankrupt their capacity, their emotional uh, capacity, and it'll be a detriment to them. Then they'll start getting into depression or they'll start getting exhausted and that sort of thing. So, I've seen that happen with my dad a couple of times where uh, he had to actually kind of get away for a little bit because so many people were drawing on that mercy gift, they were drawing on it, and he just didn't have the reserves, and so he had to kind of get away to refresh himself and things like that. Now, there are some people that we've got to learn to set boundaries with. I can remember one instance that there was a couple that my dad was, was counseling, and They were at our house, you know, it just seems like every night for weeks on end. And it may not have been weeks, but it just seems like they were always at the house. And they just, it was always the same trouble, same problems. And the reason I know is because my parents would send me to bed, but our house was like a shotgun house. And so the hallway that went to the bedrooms came directly off off of the kitchen and the dining room so I just leave my door open and I could hear everything that was going on. So, but at one point, I finally had to tell, I told my dad and I was, I don't know, I was probably 13, 14, something like that. I said, dad, these, these people are going to, they're going to wear you down. You're going to have to stop counseling them because they're, they won't stop. They won't take your advice. They won't do what you're called to do. You know, you've been patient with them. And they just keep having the same issues. And in fact, I, because of that perception part of me, which I didn't know I had at the time, but I said, Dad, it just it seems like she's got this unnatural attachment to you. And uh, he said, you know I, I know, I know what you're talking about. I, I think I've noticed that too. And Mom brought it up. And so he had to just stop counseling them because I, I feel like that she would have kept coming and at some point created some sort of difficulty for my dad that could have created a rift between my mom and my dad because of the fact that she my dad was so patient so kind she had you know gotten this attachment to him and you know I stopped short of saying falling in love with him but you know when someone's compassionate towards you and somebody continues to listen to you and keeps you know Letting you bend their ear and that sort of thing, you start have, you know, an atta- You start being attached to them, and so he had to actually set the boundaries and and then stop. They just couldn't come back anymore, and it, you know, unfortunately, that happened. And we don't know what happened to them because they they left in a huff. But I mean, he counseled them for weeks, you know, at least two weeks. I know, but I think it was longer than that. And it was, you know. If it wasn't every night, it was every other night or something like that. And it was like they were just invading our family time. And so it was just consuming everything of my mom and dad. So you've got to set boundaries. You've got to set that boundary so that you, you don't create a hardship for yourself. Now, having compassion is one thing and having empathy is one thing. But when you start taking on the care of that person, when you start... Start letting that thing, you know, manifest itself in you. You've got a problem. You're not the solution anymore. You're just part of the problem. And so it's just like the two of you begin to, you know, misery loves company and that sort of thing. So you've got got to, you know, kind of recharge your your reserves and that sort of thing. So people with the gift of mercy do it with an attitude of cheerfulness. It gives them great joy to be empathetic and compassionate. It gives them a sense of worth. You know, that's where they get their worth. Um, So I don't know if we'll talk about this in a minute, but the person with the gift of mercy, they get fulfilled by just being uh, empathetic and, and compassionate. They get their fulfillment just by being there for someone. Not seeing someone actually resolve the issue, but just being there for them. And so it gives them a sense of worth. So if we compare the mercy gift to a part of the body, they would be the heart of the body, the heart of the group. They identify with and comfort those in sorrow or distress. And they desire to take care of those with physical or emotional needs. Then they're super Hey guys, I just wanted to break away for a quick moment to remind you there are two different ways that you can actually help sponsor this podcast. Number one, you can go to the website for the book, the Discover You book, and then the website is discoveryou-book.com, discoveryou-book.com. There's a link that will send you to Amazon, and for $9.99, you can have your very own copy. Secondly, in the description of this podcast, there is a link that you can click where you can go and set up a monthly monetary donation. Any amount would be great. Any amount would help us. So please consider sponsoring and help joining those that are already supporting us. I appreciate you guys for listening. And now back to the episode. Sensitive to those around them sensing needs not outwardly expressed. I'm going to spend a little more time on that one. Let me repeat it. They are super sensitive to those around them, sensing needs not outwardly expressed. Someone with the gift of mercy can almost see into your soul, kind of see that you have a problem, that you have an issue, that you're in pain. You may cover it up and and a lot of us may not notice it. It may not be, you know, we may think there's nothing wrong with them, but the person with the gift of mercy can see right through the charade, can see right through a mask, can see You may be putting on a good front, but the person with the gift of mercy is going to come to you, say, "Everything okay with you? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Are you sure? You know, you can you can always talk to me, and that sort of thing. And so it's things that aren't expressed, things that are covered up. They'll notice it before anyone else will. Their motivation uh, is they're focused on the emotional needs of others. They're full of compassion, full of love. They're very forgiving. And they also are just kind of like, can't we all get along? They just want everyone to get along and everyone to to be friends and things like that. The pros and cons. The pros, they're very compassionate. They're empathetic. They're loyal and forgiving. Now, the drawback, though, to this gift is they can be totally blind to the faults of the other person they're working with. See, I've seen this happen, too. Not necessarily with my dad, but I've seen other people, they get caught up in one person's, especially if it's a a marriage problem, and I've learned this a long time ago, I never make judgments based on one person's testimony. In other words, what one person tells me, I never, I reserve judgment until I've heard the second part of it, until I've heard the other person's viewpoint. Because there is almost always, almost always, 99% of the time, there are always two sides to the story. And so I learned that a long time ago, and the thing is, is if you are a person with the gift of mercy and you start, um, you know, taking on, you start, you know, believing that person exclusively and not thinking that, you know, thinking they have no fault in the situation, there, nothing was there, you know, they didn't cause any of it to happen, then Thing is, is then you're going to start making judgments and you're going to start siding with them. They're going to take their side. What has happened in the past with me is I would I had taken the side, especially in marriage things, but it's also in in conflict resolution. But one person will come to me, and I've taken that person's side, and I'll start saying something about the other person, and they're they're in agreement with me. You know, we're dogging them, we're all this other stuff, they shouldn't do this, they're they're, they're, they're wrong, you know, all these kind of things. Then the two people reconcile, and now they realize, oh, you took sides and you were against this person. Now this person's the greatest person in the world to me, so now you're our enemy. So they turn on you. So it's like, you know, you've got to guard against being blind to people's faults because everybody has faults. I know some of you, it's hard to believe, but every one of us have faults. And so we've got to be objective when we are counseling people, when we're listening to them talk to us, when they're they're spending time with us. We've got to understand there's always more than one side to the story. We've got to reserve any kind of judgment. If we're going to make any judgments before we give any solutions, we've got to know the other side. If at all possible. If if it's not possible, then you have to make some uh, decisions based on what could be the possibly be the other side, and so that's one of the downfalls. Uh, they if, if you hurt somebody's feelings, they get offended. This is one of the the down the shortcomings. If you hurt somebody's feelings, they're gonna be. Offended at you because they they're so compassionate. They don't want anybody's feelings hurt, and we're not. I mean, we don't we don't intentionally hurt people's feelings, but they get offended at that. A quick story: When we were uh, my dad and I started the church uh, back in 2001, and he was the senior pastor, I was the worship pastor and administrative pastor. Well, having those two roles every Sunday was busy for me, because I I had to make sure everything was happening, make sure everything was working correctly, all the volunteers were in place, had to make sure as I was leading worship, we had rehearsals uh, in the morning, and then, you know, we had to do that, so I had to make sure we got this, the songs worked out cro- properly. Uh, I was blessed, I had my sister-in-law as uh, the keyboardist, and she kind of did all the arranging, and And that sort of thing. So I didn't have to worry as much about that. But then I had, you know, the people that were in the sound booth running sound, the people that were running the overheads and, you know, all the projection equipment, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Then I also had to make sure that all the, you know, all the offering envelopes were out. Make sure all the, and, you know, I had people doing this, but I always had to make sure there were bulletins to make sure they were out. People, the greeters were resourced. You know, you just have a lot of stuff to do. And so I would go through the foyer and people would be coming in. Congregants would be coming in and um, I would not stop and talk to them because when I get focused, I get tunnel vision and sometimes I'll intentionally avoid somebody and sometimes I'll just not even be thinking about anybody else. I'll just kind of, you know, go past them. If they say something to me, I may say something back, but I'm 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 a concise communicator. You don't know how hard it is for me to actually kind of spread this out into to fill up thirty minutes, but I'm a concise communicator. And so I have to uh, when they, you know, hey, how are you doing? I'm doing good and move on. Well, I that sufficed for me. I thought, hey, I've communicated with them. Well, I mean, I don't know, I can't count how many times people would come to my dad and say, James was just rude to me. James hurt my feelings and blah, blah, blah. You know, just whine to my dad. And it's like, come on, people. And they're adults. It wasn't the kids, it was adults. You know me, I'm just thinking, y'all need to deal with it. And I got stuff to do. <laughs> and so my dad would always pull me aside and say, James, you're going to have to start spending time with these people. I said, but dad, I got way too much to do on Sunday morning to be spending time talking to these people. He said, they are the reason we're here. I understand you've got a lot to do, but sometimes you may just have to let something go. And I said, well, I can't let things go. I mean, I'm a, I'm a perfectionist. I'm You've got to have everything, have everything ready and everything working properly, everything aligned and in order. It's a you've got to spend at least a, a little more time than you have been. And so I had to consciously stop and look them in the eye and carry on some sort of conversation and then figure out a way to get out of that conversation back to what I was doing. And then I would do good for a while. And then, of course, I would fall back into my, hey, I'm good. How y'all doing? Good. Okay. I mean, I'd pat them on the shoulder, you know, stuff like that, shake their hand. But then they'd go back to my dad and and just complain again. My, my dad said, boy, you going not have to straighten up. You have to fix this. You got to do that. If you're going to be in the ministry, you're going to have to spend time with people. So, see, it, because I was hurting people's feelings, he was offended at me. He always took their side. And I said, Dad, but 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 I got to get this done, you know. So that was that was the problem I had to deal with them being in the ministry then was having too much to do. And I still deal with it because I have so, usually I have so many things to do. And I've got so many things on my mind, especially if I'm just preaching at a place. I'm visiting a place and preaching. A lot of times I'm thinking about what I'm going to talk about all during the preliminaries, the worship, the offerings, the, all these kind of things. So, you know, when I get to a place, I, you know, I, I try to engage people. I try to be polite and these things, but I'm, I've got my mind on what I'm going to say, trying to go through it and make sure that I've, you know, I'm going to say what I need to say. And so that's just where I deal. So my dad would just get really offended at me because of that. So. You know that's just one of the downfalls of the people with gift of mercy, and the last downfall is they will actually take up the other people's offenses. In other words, they'll take up the offenses. So if you have hurt their feeling, somebody's feelings, then they're going to be offended at you. If people are offended at you, then the person with the gift of mercy is going to be offended at you too. So it's like, you know, they gang up on you, and so they've got you've got to guard against that kind of thing. So mercy is empathetic, is loyal, forgiving, compassionate, um, all these kind of things. Mercy is that. So here's some jobs and careers or activities that they can be involved in. Now, being in the arts is, is a big plus for people that have the gift of mercy because they can express that, their emotion, because they can empathize with people, they can they can be compassionate, And you'll notice most artists are very mercy-driven, very, you know, cause-driven. And so they're good as artists. A chaplain is a good role for someone with the gift of mercy. Child care, being in the child care industry is really a good thing uh, for people with the gift of mercy. Counseling, of course, that just goes without saying. Listen to this one, a hairstylist. Now, many of you have ever been in the chair getting your hair done i mean guys you know this too if you get a, it doesn't matter who you with most of the time the people do your hair they're they are just they just want to talk to you they just want you to talk to them and they're going to drag information out of you you know uh, who's your, you know what's your family like and blah, blah blah they're just gonna because that's they've got that mercy gift and they want to want you to feel good about being there of course being in the ministry is is really a good place for people with the gift of mercy. A musician, we talked about that. Photographer is actually a good place for people with the gift of mercy. A support staff. A public defender. A public defender is is a good role for someone with the gift of mercy because they're representing people that don't have money to represent them, to pay somebody to represent them. So you've got to be compassionate towards them or you're just going to send them up the river. So uh, social work is good area to go into, working with those with special needs, uh, nursing, you know, other medical fields, cosmetology, uh, massage, massage therapist. These are all just different things that are, you know, again, it's not an exhaustive list, but they're just different things that would be good fits for those with the gift of mercy. So that's the seventh and last gift that we are going to talk about, and I appreciate you listening. We're going to be continuing our podcast next week. Uh, be sure and subscribe if you haven't yet. Do us a favor and please share this podcast on your social media. I mean, it'd be good if you go back to the first one and share that one, but just share this one. If, if, if you know somebody that has that gift, that they're not aware of it, and, and uh, you know, somebody that needs to be aware of it that doesn't have the gift that needs to be aware of it just share it in your social media or forward it to a person a friend that'd be really great we would appreciate it also if you could rate and review the podcast that will help others find us uh, because you get higher in the rankings when you do a search and so uh, try to do you know words that would fit along with this that when people do searches on the podcast that would bring us up. So, if you could do those things, I'd appreciate it. Um, we're just I'm just having such a great time spending this time with you. And I I hope to do some interviews uh, later on with different ones that have different gifts and that way we can kind of discuss them and how they fit together for them. And uh, then I'll probably share some of my sermons or things like that. I'm just going to there'll be a variety of things on this podcast. But I wanted to, because the podcast is based on this self-discovery, and you know your identity. I feel like identity is the number one issue with people these days. They don't know who they are because we we're so inundated with with visuals, with images, with with you know with personalities that a lot of us don't know who we are. And so until we can get a, a starting point, a reference point on who we are, discover our gifts, discover, you know, like I told you, since I've discovered my gifts and what I'm called to do, I make all of my life decisions based on that. Sharon and I make our decisions based on our gifts because we're going to facilitate our gifts. I can do a lot of things, but I won't be as fulfilled as what I'm doing now. And so we can do that. And so this is a good place to start. We need a good foundation, but we're going to go from here There are going to be other things that that we'll be talking about. Who knows? Um, I just want to use this podcast as a way to communicate with you. And I appreciate you listening, and we look forward to talking to you next week.
0: Thank you for listening to the Discover You podcast with your host, James Hooper. This podcast exists to help you grow both spiritually and personally. If you enjoyed it and think others could benefit from the content provided, please go to your favorite podcast platform and leave a review and rating. This will help others find us more easily. Also, if you haven't already, subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thank you for joining us for the Discover You podcast.